0: So I've been dabbling with the idea of starting a podcast. Kind of been thinking on it for a while. I've always wanted to find some sort of creative outlet that I thoroughly enjoyed and wanted others to be a part of, whether that was creating art or what. um, I don't know. And so I've just kind of found myself being able to get some recording equipment from my job, actually. And uh, here we are. And I don't really know where I'm going with this, what will happen with this, if this is something I'll even share. I really don't know. One thing I do know though is that um, at 26 years of life, I've experienced a lot. And the older that I've gotten, the more I've realized that there's a lot of other women out there who've experienced some pretty similar things. And if my story could at least be something of a story of hope for somebody else, of a story that they're not alone, then I guess let it be that. Because that's all I could ask is that nobody feels alone. Having walked through some pretty dark times in my life, I know what that feeling is like. When you lose friends, you lose loved ones you lose a spouse it starts to feel pretty hopeless so i guess as i begin my story i again i don't even know what i'm doing never done a podcast before sorry if the music in the background's too much i just felt like i needed something so i'm sitting down in my cozy little home with my dog in the background at my desk to decide where to start my story. Maybe there's going to be several parts to this, I don't know. And for those of you that decide to actually listen, thanks. (laughs) Who knows where this is going to go. But I guess I'll start with introducing myself. So my name is Elizabeth Griffith. I'm 26 years old. I am a single mother of a beautiful, beautiful four-year-old girl, Lila. We live in Nebraska. We have one dog. His name is Barlow. He is so full, so full of energy. He's about eight months old. So you could say it's a busy house around here. Although I only have my daughter 50% of the time. We'll get there later in the story. Even at that, my life is pretty crazy. And I honestly just keep thinking about that one TikTok where it says, my name is Ryan, I think is his name. And my life is kind of crazy. I don't know, that's how I feel sometimes. I don't know if the craziness will ever slow down, but that's okay, we're learning to cope with it. Learning to exist in the craziness. I learning to exist with these crazy allergies that happen in Nebraska as well. So if I suffer through this, if I sneeze through it, I'm so sorry. Maybe one of these days I'll figure out how to edit, um, you know, some recording sounds and take that part out. But anyways, that's me. I'm Elizabeth. I go by Liz. I went by Lizzie growing up. I still have some of my close friends that call me Lizzie. My parents still call me Lizzie. Um, I'm the second oldest. Three siblings, I have a great family. Even though we're not perfect, I love each and every one of them. Oh, so differently, but immensely the same. So maybe I'll just start with growing up and uh, what that was like. Well, my earliest memory It's probably from when we lived in Kansas, where I was born. This tiny little town called Lyons, Kansas. There's not much that I remember from there, but we did move a lot. We moved to Wyoming when I was about three years old. Green River, to be precise. Green River, Wyoming, where I started first grade. Had my first little boy crush. Things like that. My parents, um, my dad worked, my mom stayed home with us. It was just me and my older brother at the time. My little sister didn't come until I was about six years old. And we grew up, I guess, on the poorer side. Lots of apartment hopping, things like that, as my dad was the only breadwinner of the family. Kind of your typical lower middle class family, I would say. grew up going to church. My mom was on the worship team. Um... Grew up loving to sing, loving listening to music. And then at age six, we moved to Nebraska. And spent most of my years, ten of them, in Columbus growing up there. Moved to Broken Bone, Nebraska at age 16. A tiny little town, which was very traumatic, to be honest. I know that was a hard decision for my, my parents to make for our family, but they did it. Went to college, Wayne State College, up in northeast Nebraska. Um, Got married at 19. Graduated college while pregnant at 21. Moved to Omaha, Nebraska in 2017. And uh, here we are, a single mom today. So lots of wild stuff in the in-between spaces. Lots and lots of wild stuff. As a little girl... um, I didn't quite know or understand what was happening. But my mom used to babysit on the side for some spare money. And there was one little boy, I mean, he probably only had to have been like eight, maybe 10, around that age, um, who molested me at like age four. And I don't remember all the details of it. I just remember it being a secret. Secret to not tell my parents, but it definitely sprung a lot of curiosity in me growing up. Moving on um, to probably when I was like seven years old, there was even more of that curiosity in elementary school. Lots of things about sex and your body parts was talked about in elementary school, which was just mind-boggling to me, just thinking that um, my daughter is like around that age now. She's four, just turned four. It's just crazy to think. So that sprung a lot of curiosity, curiosity about sex, curiosity about my body, which there's no nothing to be ashamed of about that. As children, we have a lot of curiosity about those things, and I'm still trying to figure out how to navigate talking to my own daughter about it in a way that's appropriate for her age to understand and um, to not be afraid to ask questions and whatnot. I'd say the next kind of, like, big thing would probably be in middle school. I was introduced to pornography, and I'll just say it, masturbation, like, as cringy as those words are, um, it kind of became a part of my life. It wasn't, like, a regular thing, but it was there. Obviously sprung a lot of curiosity in me. And by age 13, I was already having sex with my boyfriend at that time. Holy cow. Um, Thinking of like my younger siblings when they were at 13, that's so little, so little. And this relationship I was in, this first boyfriend I ever had, first everything for me, um, I didn't realize it until I got out of it, but it was very dark. I lost a lot of friends because of that relationship. I was so dependent on this boy. I thought he was my everything. We were gonna get married. He was gonna be beautiful and great. He'd love me forever. You know, all of those emotions that go together with having sex with somebody, especially at such a young age when you're so underdeveloped. And I, my family wasn't a family that really talked about any of that. It was very much a secret. Uh, so I had a lot of questions that I just kind of tried to seek out myself, which led to a lot of really bad decisions in my life. Uh, but this relationship was very toxic. He was very controlling and manipulative. Turned me against my parents, against my friends. Um, I There were times, like, we would get in terrible verbal altercations to the point where I didn't feel safe thankfully he never physically hurt me Uh, but there's definitely some emotional wounds that go along with that relationship and a lot of emotional scars and I really never got the opportunity to process through that until after I had my daughter um, and I started going to counseling initially for postpartum depression And just realized that maybe I've been dealing with depression a lot longer than I had noticed. And so going to counseling brought up a lot of those things for me. Which I'm happy for, because it definitely gets harder before it gets better. But in the long run, it has made me realize a lot of things about myself, why I've done things the way that I've done, uh, why I've acted the way I've acted, why I've hung around the people I've hung around. This relationship, when I was 13, lasted until around 15. I think we dated for about two years, something like that. When I finally started to realize that maybe I didn't want to be in a relationship with this guy. And I started to realize he wasn't treating me very well. Uh, One friend finally kind of interjected herself and questioned me a lot about it. And um, at that point in time... I thought my only way out was to find another boy uh, that would protect me. Because this guy that I was dating actually lived just around the corner from me. So I definitely felt very unsafe knowing that. Like, what if I break up with him and he's, like, throwing rocks at my window or tries to break in or tries to manipulate me again? Like, what if that happens? I don't know what I'll do, blah, blah, blah. And so, of course, I found some, like, older boy in high school that was interested in me and gave myself to him, too. At 14, I had sex with two people. Gosh, like, I—sometimes it's hard to even wrap my mind around some of the things that i had done because it just feels like a completely different me. I mean, it is. It's a different me. And I've changed a lot, and I've grown a lot from that. Uh, But that relationship didn't last long. I told the first boyfriend that I would found somebody else told him I cheated on him all these things to make him want to leave me because I thought that that would be the better choice to make him want to leave instead of me leaving him and that did happen there's obviously he had a lot of resentment for me and whatnot we went to a pretty big high school so I could kind of avoid him and I just knew not to go on a walk by myself or on the block because then I would not run into him on accident or anything. But it was soon after um, I'd kind of gotten into this relationship with an older guy that my parents had actually found out about it. Because little 14-year-old me didn't have a cell phone, and my way of communicating was through Facebook, um, sending messages. And, of course, I left my Facebook open, and my parents rifled through my messages. They saw that I had been messaging this boy, inappropriate things, talked about things we'd done. Um... And my parents confronted me about it one night when I came home from a friend's house. And I just felt so at loss. Because this new guy that I just started talking to, like, ghosted me. That really wasn't a term back in, like, <laughs> what would that have been? I don't know, 2009? That wasn't really a term, I suppose. Um, But that's what happened. He ghosted me. I felt heartbroken. I was like, oh my gosh, like I left this one boyfriend for this new boyfriend and now he doesn't want me and nobody wants me. And my 14-year-old emotions were a roller coaster, um, especially having my parents confront me about it. I didn't even know what to do. It was honestly heartbreaking. And it's still heartbreaking to think about like the night my parents walked into my room and scolded me, my mom yelled at me. I don't remember everything that was said. I just remember both of my parents crying, my dad cried, and I think that was the most heartbreaking thing. My dad and I were pretty close growing up, not so much my mom and I, we butted heads a lot. And I think it's because she saw a lot of likeness in me from her former self as a teenager. So that made it hard. But I just remember the look of disappointment on my parents' face. That their 14-year-old baby girl had slept with two boys, was making bad decisions. And I'm sure they didn't really know what to do or how to handle it. I mean, nobody nobody prepares you for those things. There's no written guide on 12 steps to your teenage daughter sleeping around like this. I don't think that exists anywhere. Um, But I had taken matters into my own hands that night. Just from all of the guilt and shame that I felt. And I decided that I was going to take my own life that night. And obviously that didn't work out because here we are recording Somewhat of whatever this podcast is. But I had, after my parents left my room, I had gone to the medicine cabinet and taken just about everything that I could get my hands on. Like an entire unopened bottle of ibuprofen, cough medicine, children's Tylenol, like anything. Um, It went down the hatch. And I was so ready. I was so ready to just fall asleep never wake up again. I wouldn't be a disappointment to anybody anymore. I couldn't hurt anybody anymore. And maybe this life would be so much better without me because I wouldn't be disappointing anybody, especially my parents. And I woke up that next morning and profusely vomited whole pills like honestly, it's a miracle of God. Like, nothing digested into my system. Like, I had no crazy side effects other than vomiting. Um, I went to school that day not feeling great. I was supposed to have a social studies test. I remember that. And I told my teacher, I was like, I don't feel good. She thought I was faking it. I told her I would never do that, that I would make up the test the next day. Um... And she let me go down to the nurse's office and called my mom to come pick me up. And as I'm waiting there for my mom, I felt like I waited for like an hour. And we lived maybe like five minutes across town. Ended up throwing up in the office at school. Thankfully, I was able to make it to a bathroom so nobody could see that I threw up straight pills. But it was the hardest thing Um having my mom walk into the school and not say a single word to me. And it lasted like that for a couple of days. We didn't talk, we, didn't, we never talked about what had happened. We really still haven't, honestly. I never told anybody that I tried to take my life that night for a very long time. Probably wasn't until college until I actually told somebody about it, like really told somebody. I was pretty broken for quite a while. Didn't really feel loved. Felt like I was just a family disappointment. And uh, really just started to put myself out there to guys because that was the only way that I could feel temporarily wanted. Even if it was just for my body. So I slept around a lot in high school. And then by age 15, um I was actually raped by a senior guy who came from a pretty wealthy family. <sighs> I thought he was kind of like a little little bit of a love interest, more of a friend. He was supposed to take me home one night after a basketball game and ended up not taking me home, drove to some um dead end road out in the country. 15-year-old me didn't have a phone a way to get a hold of anybody, and he just sat there asking and asking, will you have sex with me? Let's have sex. Will you have sex with me? I kept saying no, crossed my arms, grabbed my legs, kept saying no, asked him to take me home, told him my parents would wonder where I was at. And for the longest time, the statement that he said to me stuck in my head for years, I mean years, Years as in, like, I just processed this maybe, like, three years ago with my counselor. But he had said, it's not like you have anything left to lose. And in that moment, like, I grew weak. And I just said, okay. And I didn't really realize at the time that uh, I was being raped until I finally confessed it to a friend. And she held me while I cried. And she defined it for me. She was like, Lizzie, you were raped. You didn't consent. You didn't want that. You gave in because you thought that was your only way out to get home. And it's true. that That's exactly how I felt. And what sucked was I saw this guy, like, every day on my walk route, like, through school to get to classes. And every time I saw him, I wanted to vomit. And I just felt like I couldn't say anything to anybody because he came from a family of money. And... Nobody would believe me, or my family didn't have enough money to to go to court, to take him to court, like, nobody would believe me, ever, and so I never said anything, so more years of just dating shitty guys, <laughs> really shitty guys, uh, my parents ended up finding out about the rape, because there was another shitty guy that I had talked to, and finally had a phone and I texted him about it and told him he was the only person that knew and all of this. And my parents were kind of snoopy and took my phone one night and read through text messages and had seen that I had talked about it. So of course there comes another confrontation about it. And, um, I just didn't have the heart to tell my dad who had done it because I knew that if he knew he would go kill that boy. And that was the last thing I needed was to lose my dad. Um, it was scary. I ended up going to counseling um, at this place called Center for Survivors that dealt with women who had like been raped and been in abusive relationships and stuff like that. And actually met with a lady from our church. Her name was Jenna Clark, and she was so sweet to me. She would hold me and cry with me when I was sad. She'd build me up. She'd encourage me. And um, it wasn't too long after that we moved to Broken Bow. It was the hardest move of my life. Because I had finally started gaining some of my friends back, building friendships again. And I was so excited for that. And then here comes a big move. My dad got transferred through the company he was working for. And I went from a class of probably about 400 people to a class of 16 in the tiny little town of Myrna, Nebraska, where I went to high school. And I felt like nobody liked me. I had like one friend and she's still a really great friend today actually. Um, She's amazing, but I struggled a lot. There was a lot of girls that bullied me that didn't like me, boys just wanted me for my body. I started giving into that again because I just didn't care what anybody thought about me. And uh, it felt good to feel temporarily wanted again. So definitely just revolved back into old patterns and old habits. And I knew that's not what I really wanted for myself, but it was kind of all I knew. And nobody really told me that it could be different. So just a lot of really vicious cycles as a young teenager going through high school. And one kind of like pivotal moment for me was this summer that I graduated from high school. Um, I had the opportunity to go to Haiti and I stayed in Port-au-Prince, Haiti for about I think it was 10 or 11 days with a family that our church supported there. And just kind of got to experience what it was like to be in a different country, um, a developing country that one that had experienced huge earthquake and terrible things. And um, it was very eye-opening. And it was crazy to see, like, the love that people had for each other there, the support that people had, the love for God. I mean, if I was in that situation, I would 100% think that God is not real, because why would he let that happen? But man, the community that just surrounded that was insane. And it was such an eye-opening experience for me. Very eye-opening, especially being the only girl out of four people that went on this trip. I mean, aside from my youth pastor and his wife, there was three other boys, and then it was me. And I'm glad it was that way because um, coming back to the States, I realized there was a lot of times that I was probably in dangerous way and the boys were protecting me without telling me, which was very sweet and definitely a godsend that they looked after me as there's a lot of trafficking and stuff that happens in Haiti. And one kind of scary experience was going to the market one day and seeing this guy on his cell phone. Well, he didn't get on his phone until him and I had made contact, eye contact. And he was talking in Creole on his phone, staring at me and would not take his eyes off of me. I started to feel really uncomfortable because I kind of moved around a lot. I'm looking, like, at this restaurant, what I should eat. This guy's eyes are glued to me like none other. I finally told my friend Zach about it. And I was like, can you just, like, stand between me and this guy's, like, eye contact and, like, hold my hand or something and thankfully he did, like being the brave young teenage boy that he was, he did just that. And as soon as that happened, this guy hung up his phone and left. Um, but that was pretty scary to like actually notice that that was happening. The boys had mentioned that there were other times too when we'd be walking and, um, strange men would follow us. And that's why they always had, um, like our youth leader walk in front of us and the boys behind me pretty much, um. I do like surrounding me. And I never really realized that until they said something. And I'm definitely thankful for God's protection in that. And I'm thankful for the experiences that I had there. And I just knew that my heart was not in a good place with what I, the decisions that I had made in my life up until that point, up until 18 years of life. I wasn't satisfied with it. I knew God wasn't satisfied with it. I knew there needed to be some change because I was kind of riding this fence of, like, I believe in God, but I like underage drinking, and I like sex, and I like these things, and I like boys, and I want to do me, and I don't want to listen to authority, especially my parents. I'm going to college, like, all this kind of stuff. So I feel like then was kind of when, um, I don't know, maybe God started to kind of pull at my heart a little bit. I was making myself more vulnerable to him softening my heart um it was a lot there was a lot that I experienced by age 18 and I never would have guessed that that's what my life would look like I remember being in like eighth grade going to freshman year that summer and talking to a friend about like wow like
1: I never thought I would live this long I always thought
0: I would die um I mean, I still think that to this day. Like, I'm 26. I'm a mom. I own a house. I have a car. Like, whoa, I never thought I'd get here. We may not be killing it, but we're making it. (laughs) We're we're making it work. And now that I'm like looking at a timer, I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been talking for 30 minutes of time. Um Sometimes I look back and I do wish that somebody would have seen my cries for help and attention. That they would have been like further addressed. But they weren't and that's okay and there's nobody to blame for that. And maybe as I kind of end this first episode to any like young people that are listening out there, you are so valuable. You are so worthy, worthy of love, worthy of safety, worthy of respect, worthy of honor in your relationships and your friendships and your family with anybody. You are so worthy of that. So beautiful. And if anything, I just hope my story is one that can be unfortunately related to, but in a way that helps you grow and learn about yourself, that helps you evaluate your life and decisions you've made so you can look back and see how you've grown and see how you're going to be better and do better and honestly that's a beautiful thing so I guess with that I just want to say with love you're beautiful you are worthy and you're worth it till next time my friend